Thank you for listening to Cafecito with us. I'm Sarah. And I'm Diana. Please remember to subscribe. And leave us a review. All right. So today we're going to talk about women leaders. It is the month of March. And so we are actually looking to do a fun series of episodes highlighting women Uh, really empowering women, women that have motivated us, inspired us in different fields, uh, specifically to those fields that we're aware of and highly invested in, like public health, economics, and inventors. But really, it's not limited to those fields. So I will add that caveat because, right, there are incredible women across all sectors. So we wanted to just discuss how women in society have helped us evolve and make this world a better place. And a lot of times we don't get to, there's all these names of women that do all these great things. And yet we don't hear about them or they're not highlighted enough. And we shouldn't, we should do better at not highlighting them just in the month of March. But since we are celebrating, you know, women's history month, it's a great opportunity to discuss. So Diana, take us away. Sure. So I am actually going to start off today talking a little bit about someone who is incredible in the economics field and specifically in development economics, which is the field or research area that really focuses on poverty alleviation. So how do we address global poverty as an economist? And I actually heard about this fabulous woman and her name is Esther Duflo. She is a French-American economist. I had learned about her when I went to the London School of Economics, and we read a bunch of her studies. And really, her focus is on microeconomic issues in developing countries. She looks at household behavior. She looks at education, access to finance, health, and really policy evaluation. So what makes her unique And what I really love about her work is that she really adopted the practices that we see in medicine to economics. And so what that means is rather than just collecting data and making theories in your ivory tower and writing reports, right, uh, she really decided to take it into the field. And so she does a lot of like randomized control trials to see how smaller interventions affect, um, you know, these vulnerable communities. So as an example, so that people understand like what I'm saying. So rather than just writing, okay, historically, we have all this data on malaria, right? And how that affects Mm -hmm. people. She was of the notion that we should take out um, these nets, these, I'm going to call them, yeah, they're nets for against malaria into the communities. And so the question that comes is, are people going to pay for them? Do people, are they going to use them? Because this is something that you're introducing newly to folks. And so the idea is, well, they're going to take it up, but first you have to give it to them. So again, there's a lot of like behavioral psychological changes Mm -hmm. that need to happen. But again, it's removing the assumption, right? That people don't want to follow a public health uh, practice or intervention, but how do you make it um, accessible to them? How do you change your behaviors? And then rather than just, again, just making these assumptions and big data research without actually going into the communities and applying these interventions, you see how it works. And so she does a lot of things like that, which I actually admire her for doing as a woman, because, again, she's breaking the mold and not just saying, let's, you know, do a bunch of correlations and look at data, but really let's bring 
all hands on deck <laughs> and let's see if these things actually work before we um, make the recommendations. And so, yeah, she's she's a badass. She actually won the prize for in 2019 alongside her husband, Banerjee, which is also a great economist and her research partner, Kremer. So they, they received that prize in 2019 for economic sciences which is really cool. And it was really recognizing their efforts to address, again, global poverty and how they're framing and thinking of doing these interventions and RCTs, randomized controlled trials, can really inform the different policies, funding, programming, as it relates to all these you know, areas of poverty, whether it's health, finance, education, and more. So, so she's an econ- economist by trade. But mm-hmm. it seems that she has a bit of this like, well, the public the public health aspect of a lot of the profession has to do with behavioral. There's a behavioral mm-hmm. aspect to it. And then there's like obviously the research aspect to it. And what we learn within public health is from the behavior standpoint is just because you know something is good for you or bad for you doesn't mean that you're going to do it or not do it. Mm-hmm. And just because something exists doesn't mean that it's easily accessible to you or you'll right. know exactly what to do with whatever that it is to make your quality of life better. So I think it's really interesting how someone from a completely different field, right, which is economics mm-hmm. and how how the inter, how it's interdisciplinary in all our different fields tie together in these specific ways and how understand, understanding the human behavior, like the cognitive aspect of a human being moves right. way more things. And it's so embedded yeah. within our different fields versus, you know, like it's not just cognitive sciences focus on one specific field, but like you're literally, Mm -hmm. I didn't even know that there was like, what'd you say? Economic science. Development economics. I didn't know that. that, I didn't know that was a thing, but I mean, it's super interesting. And that's that's a lot of what we had, we've discussed prior in different, in different conversations, both on this podcast and separately was how it's important to speak the language of another person's profession mm-hmm. and how there's so much that literally can be done with collaboration if you're open to having yeah. these conversations with people from different disciplines. Like I would have never thought that business, business economics and public mm-hmm. health shared space within the sciences. Oh, Yeah. And think of the ramifications, because to your point, like, yes, we're changing behaviors and those interventions that affect people. But in her recommendations at the end of the day, like she's really challenging like the billions of dollars that go in aid internationally, right, to again fight global poverty. And so there's a lot of money that goes behind these things and we don't really know the impact. And so that's what she's trying to get at. Like, so does it really make sense for us to continue sending billions of dollars to, you know, X country, X village for a certain intervention, whether it's a vaccine or, you know, a net for malaria, whatever it may be books, does it actually work? Does it actually change? And how do you deliver it? And so I think that's where it also marries like the health equity space and meeting people where they are. Maybe the first phase is in fact, giving them something without them having to buy it until they're able to change their behavior. Yeah, no, no, for sure. Obviously an intelligent woman, but I think that there's a lot 
to say in the fact that she has her research partner and she has her spouse, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a woman and two men. Mm-hmm. And now we're able to highlight her model and her perspective that's driving this research and driving this force. And that mm-hmm. and that's super it's very I don't want to say impressive because it, I mean, obviously it's impressive, but like it, it, I think it dimin- by me saying it's impressive. I think, I feel like it diminishes the no, but value of having women in these spaces. Because yeah. And economics times, is such a male dominated field. Yeah, exactly. And I think that sometimes we diminish ourselves without realizing that we're diminishing mm-hmm. ourselves within certain spaces because it's like, why should, why are we surprised that, th- that right. women are able to come <laughs> up with these ideas? Right. But a lot of times, and I don't know if this has happened to you in, in real time is when you're sitting at a table and having a conversation with various individuals, um, both men and women, and you're sharing thoughts. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you come up with an idea and you share it. And sometimes men in that space are like oh great idea right great idea (laughs) and it's like this didn't require much like Mm -hmm. study like this was just your perspective and and like Mm -hmm. looking at things and seeing things and being observant to what's going on around you that Mm -hmm. offer up these sorts of creative, which aren't very creative. It's just like, Mm -hmm. let's, let's think about this a bit more. But what I love about what you just mentioned is a lot of stuff within the public health space and the science space and like the nonprofit space, all of that is always looked at as like the feel good thing, right? Like we do this because it's Mm -hmm. the right thing to do, but then tying it into the economic benefit that exists in, in, in investment within a community, mm-hmm. when you tie all of that together, then you're bringing in a whole new group of people who may not see it as like, I want to do the right thing because it's good for society. They're just interested in, I want to do the thing that's going to make most money. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard pill to swallow when you're mm-hmm. in the profession of like public health, in like the equity space, it's mm-hmm. hard to accept that individuals really just want to make a profit mm-hmm. and they're not concerned about how it affects the society. But that's yeah. why there's people who do care about what happens to the society, but yeah. also want to prove a point with numbers. Because at the end of the day, data matters, research matters. The money matters. Mm-hmm. It all matters. And, and the impact because the money is going to do something. Right. right. <laughs> so if we can well, maximize that impact. So they marry one another. And mm-hmm. I think that's extremely important for, you know, the collaboration of, of, of spaces of, of women working mm-hmm. in these different fields and seeing, hey, you know, my skill set can really benefit this skill set and this profession mm-hmm. and this space and vice versa that they're complementary to one another. And I think at times there seems to be a level of conflict that exists among women and professions and seeing it as a competition. And it's not 
a competition. It's more of an opportunity to collaborate, to really make a difference, which is what we're seeing Mm -hmm. based on the example that you provided. And I think she's only the second female to receive a Nobel Prize in economic sciences. sciences. So on top of that, there's not many. I mean, I love that you shared that. I love the marrying of the two, of our two spaces, right? Mm-hmm. And to that point, the, a study that I found was specific on inventors and like inventions that we have throughout our society and how it affects the way the society is formed. Mm-hmm. But the name of the study was, who do we invent for? Patents by women focus more on women's health, but few women get to invent. And this study by Koning, Samila, and Ferguson. But in, in, in essence, what they what they found was that women engage less in commercial patenting and invention than men, which may affect what is invented. So basically, if a woman isn't seated at the table, then their benefits and what they need whatever the invention is, is not thought of, which again, I don't think we needed a study to show us that, but I, Mm -hmm. so women engage less in commercial patenting and invention than men do, which may affect what is invented. The study used text analysis from the U.S. biomedical patents filed from 1976 through 2010. And they found that patents with all women inventor teams were 35% more likely than all male teams to focus on women's health. This effect holds over decades and across different research areas. So it's not specific to just like one small area. We also found that female researchers are more likely to discover female-focused ideas. Of course. (laughs) No no brainer. (laughs) These findings suggest that the inventor gender gap is partially responsible for thousands of missing female-focused inventions since 1976. So to that point, I've seen, like we know as women and, and based on studies, that women have never really been accounted for in regards to medical research, whether it's medications, whether it's devices, whether it's side effects, like we are not accounted for in in those spaces. But one one study that I found that's kind of separate, I guess, from like the medical space, but yes, to the safety aspect is, did you know that crash car dummies, the average of the dummy is the size of a man and not a female. So the Mm -hmm. car, I had heard about them. The car safety is specific to like a six foot, 200 pound, I'm making this up, male versus like a five Mm -hmm. foot 130 pound female (laughs) and like that even our safety designations for certain cars are very much dependent on who's driving the crash car dummy is very much mimicking a man versus a female so we're not accounted for in that space and this um, is why experimental approaches like Esther Duflo's are right. important. So it's like, imagine mm-hmm. it's like, okay, this, this car is graded safety in A and safety, but it's like, for who? And this is the problem it? with pharma and like medication oh, too, oh. Um, clinical trials, the lack of diversity in research. I mean, yeah, we can go on. Obstetrics, mm-hmm. having babies. Mm-hmm. 
for the majority of our society that has been changing now, we have more females in the field. But all mm-hmm. of these textbooks and all of these studies and all of these medical advancements have been based on the male criteria mm-hmm. and the male opinion based on the male lens. physicians. Yep. Even in obstetrics and like having babies. So it's like you always wonder, like these recommendations that that there is, right? So mm-hmm. for example, if you have a C-section, it's just six weeks worth of recovery. There's multiple layers that they need to cut through, including your uterus, to get the baby out. Six weeks is not enough time. In no, it's 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 you're having a surgery, like you're you're mm-hmm. you're literally having abdominal surgery. Moreover, <laughs> I don't know who recommended giving us Tylenol afterwards, but when you get sent home you get Tylenol. You're good. No worries. But again, all this to say that a lot of the recommendations have never been with women at the forefront and saying, Hey, let's actually talk to some women about what these recommendations Mm -hmm. are, but we've moved so far into our society, even within the workday, right? Like imagine how detrimental it would be, Diana, if they shifted the, 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 the standard of recovery for women Mm -hmm. who have babies and going into the workforce. Okay. After six weeks, you get medical clearance, but you're not well, you're not, you're physically not recovered. Imagine if there was an opportunity to listen to women and and have a study and this changed the standard and the structure of how we function. Corporations and organizations and jobs would need to restructure their whole functionality Mm -hmm. in order to meet these needs. It's like ignorance is bliss for society, right? Like we've done it for this long and this way. Why change it? But it's really affecting the quality of life of women within the workspace. So well, not just the workspace, I think, I mean, health broadly, I mean, certainly the workspace, but health outcomes, life expectancy. Oh, yeah. I mean, and we're not even touching on the mental health mm-hmm. aspect of it, but I, I find that people don't really understand the association between having a baby, delivering, and the postpartum yeah. aspect of it. But imagine women, women in years past who didn't know, there was no conversation. There's no conversation. It's like you had a baby. Congratulations. You should be super grateful. Keep Mm -hmm. it moving. And that's the idea that we get behind all of it. And if you think about, I just thought of the, um, like the pad and like the tampon commercials Mm -hmm. and how happy women are in these commercials. They're jumping. They're doing Olympics. They're they're, they're They're running around. I'm like, what is going (laughs) on? They're active, right? And it's like, you know, the tampons for you, it's like active fit, no leak, this, that, and the mm-hmm. other. And the girl is like running and she's like, like who's running around? And she's like, all of this. And it's like, can we talk about like the cramps? Yeah. Stomach ache. Yeah. You're basically not in the mindset of being, I'm going to go run and jump. But I mean, we've been granted some athletes may, but, but yeah. we've been, Diana, we've been conditioned to keep it moving. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. for those seven days, five days, mm-hmm. 10 days. If women have mm-hmm. like endometriosis, like yeah. just keep it moving. Like, why are you upset? You can function. Your brain is fine. Like, yeah, I'm functioning, but physically I'm going through a lot and it's just, right. we've been conditioned to be like, well, ignore it. Have you seen ignore the it. videos where they like do like the pain simulations on men of what cramps yes. are like? Yes. They cannot handle it. They're really like after 30 seconds, they're like, make it stop. I'm like, can you imagine for a prolonged time for that many days? Like I'm just like for five, let's see, 15 years, the average right. girl gets her period. What? At like 12, 11, mm-hmm. 10, 10, starting age 10. And it stops around the age of 45 when you hit like pre-menopause, 45, 47, 48, depending. Yeah. That's a really long time. Mm-hmm. Let's not even discuss the pink tax. That's a whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> like all this to say that yeah. as women, when we are not in the inventor space, when we are not seated at the table for perspectives and ideas mm-hmm. to discuss anything within any industry, as mentioned within the study, mm-hmm. there's a lot of shortfalls that affect us as women. And when there are women who are sitting there and thinking, well, that really wouldn't work because of this. There are differences. It, it matters yeah. that we're seated at the table. You know, like I, I, and to move it further, right? You wouldn't have someone who doesn't have an experience within a space inventing something mm. or not taking into account who it's going to affect, similar to the example that you shared earlier, right? Like you can't just put something there and just, It'll work for everybody. It'll work and keep sending money. Right. I just, people feel good about it. I just, so I don't know if you follow uh, Selena Gomez. Mm -hmm. So Selena Gomez has shared that she has various different health issues. And I was watching her show on HBO where she cooks and she's been very vocal about like sometimes her hands hurting. I, I don't, I think it's rheumatoid arthritis that she has, but she has she sensibility has in her. She has lupus, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. She has something, something, some sort of weakness, I think within her hands. I'm not sure if it's related to the lupus or if she has like mm-hmm. rheumatoid arthritis. So don't quote me, but she has a new beauty brand out and mm-hmm. it's called rare beauty. And I just learned that all of her packaging for her makeup line is super sensitive and super helpful for individuals who are differently able. Things that I don't even think about because I don't have any sort of, yeah. you know, disability. Actually, that's my true. Hand. I just brought one of her, I purchased one of her lipsticks. I wish I had it on hand and it is shaped very differently. It's shaped actually. differently. And so the difference, and, the difference of, of what I saw and what I was mm-hmm. following was that there's like, it's a ball at the top of it which makes it easier for someone to be able to twist and remove versus mm-hmm. having to grip your hand and pull apart. Yeah. So, I mean, like all of these things to say, you bought it, you mm-hmm. use it, mm-hmm. but having different things packaged and designed a different way is made to benefit all. But when mm-hmm. you don't consider that there's different people with different needs based on what you're creating and inventing, it becomes limiting to some and only accessible to others. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it doesn't hurt anybody that that Selena Gomez's package right. is different, right? Like it's not hurting me, it's not hurting you, but it's benefiting 
a group a lot of people, of people. Mm-hmm. Right? right? Whoever chooses to use her product. So having people seated at the table with various perspectives and various walks of life and various lived experiences really benefits the overall product and the movement of society forward. Right. right. Because we know in, 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 in this state, poverty is not just specific to women. Does it affect mm-hmm. women more? Yes. Yeah. Does poverty affect women more than it does men? Mm-hmm. 1000%. And that's just based on societal structure. And that's not just here in the United States. That's right. global. It's global. Mm-hmm. It's global. Yeah. I wasn't even, I, so I didn't even have this one on my list, but as you were talking about inventors, the idea of products or a service or an invention, not just helping a specific marginalized group, but it ends up helping all. I thought about Madam CJ Walker. So I don't know if you saw Netflix, her, her show, right? She's an African-American entrepreneur, millionaire at the time who ended up creating a hair care line and also the hot comb. Okay. Right. And so when I had watched that show, first of all, I, I I always admire when women back in those days, especially not not to say that now we don't have funding issues and patent issues, as you mentioned, but as an African-American woman to have done that and climbed up the ranks and become a wealthy person in her time as a result, again, of an invention, both the hot comb tool and the actual, you know, hair care products, mm-hmm. she was able to build a, an empire. And the fact of the matter is she did it obviously to help her community and address, and these are things that we still see today, right? That there's missing diversity in products, whether it's beauty, health, to your point, all across industries that aren't meeting the needs of certain populations. I would have never known had I not watched the show and then done further research about her life because I just thought she was incredible. And it services, to your point, more than one community ends up helping a bunch of us, right, that have the same needs and and it doesn't hurt anyone. That's the whole point. When you help the most marginalized the most disadvantaged and most of the times everybody most of the times it's women right that are thinking about these other groups yeah. because they historically have been left out it ends up helping a lot more and so kudos to madam cj walker yeah i mean what i i'm trying to think of the quote and we'll have to we'll have to find it but it was basically like necessity oh, i think i got it necessity is the birthplace of innovation Mm. I think that's the, I'm, I'm almost positive that's a quote. And it's like, mm-hmm, necessity mm-hmm. is the birthplace of innovation. It's like, when you have found yourself most in need in a most desperate situation yeah. in anything, you've, you've created, developed, creative. you've become resourceful yeah. in what you need in order to solve the problem. Absolutely. Right? Um, there's a lot, there's a lot of things. And I guess it's just my algorithm and in <laughs> the things that I search and the things that I'm interested in, mm-hmm. but inclusivity in these spaces for inventing and creating and developing is really interesting to me because Mm -hmm. again, it, it doesn't have to benefit me directly in order for it to be a benefit to my quality of life indirectly and society. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm not sure who invented this, but I, I listened to a book by someone who I believe her name is Molly. She's legally blind. And she was talking about 
the American Disabilities Act and how people really like up in arms about like, well, why do we have to do this for you? Like, why do we have to do X, Y, Z for this group of people? Like, why is that important? And it's like, well, again, going back to the Mm. original point is because it's beneficial for everybody. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, um, on the sidewalks, when there's the dips, when it's not like an actual sidewalk and it's kind of like a ramp, that's super beneficial for individuals who are in wheelchairs, electric scooters, but also beneficial for individuals walking with carts, individuals walking with baby strollers, you know. Mm-hmm. Anybody with a cart <laughs> walking in like cur- an urban yeah, area the curb cut effect is yeah. is super beneficial for everyone, yeah. and it makes quality mm-hmm. of life better mm-hmm. for individuals who are not able to use their legs. So, yeah. like, why is that? Why is not that not the standard? Right? Elevators and buildings, like, yeah, it helps individuals not have to go up the stairs. But also, mm-hmm. like, it's not just for individuals who are in wheelchairs. It's for individuals who may have broken their leg in a period of point in time need to use crutches. Like, it's beneficial for everyone, for people yeah. with children, for people carrying groceries. It is not just for one group mm-hmm. of people. And, and that's what people need to, society, I guess, needs to begin to understand that all forms of innovation and policy change and these different mm-hmm. things that exist are to benefit us all as a whole. Is it going to benefit me mm-hmm. directly all the time? No. Does it make for a more pleasurable walk throughout my town if there's this, you know, the curve, what do you call it? The curve dips, the curve cuts? <clears throat> I don't even so know I was actually that. referencing an article was, and we can put in the notes yeah. that it's by... It's called the curb cut effect yeah. by Angela Glover Blackwell, and she's the CEO of PolicyLink. But she talks about this notion, to your point, that it was supposed to help the disabled community or the folks with wheelchairs. But then in, in the end, it ends up helping the mother with the stroller, the senior citizens who cannot right, right. lift their legs so high. So it ends up helping a lot more people as a result of helping those at the very bottom. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's like, oh, there's a lot of things that exists. And again, you just referenced a woman. I referenced Selena Gomez. Yes. All these women, <laughs> like, you know, it, it's just very, it's very telling. And I think mm-hmm. the, the, the notion is that individuals, we all need to get to a place where it's okay that it's not a direct benefit to you, but mm-hmm. it is a benefit to somebody. And if somebody's quality of life is improved because of this, then that means mm-hmm. society's quality of life is improved because right. of it. Therefore, we have a better society because it's, it's, imagine how frustrating, like we are able-bodied. Mm-hmm. I, I'm able-bodied. I don't think twice about whether no. the sidewalk has a dip or whether it, you know, mm-hmm. like I don't, it doesn't even cross my mind mm-hmm. until, until fairly recently when I started pushing a stroller. So like yeah. it didn't harm me when there was a dip and I didn't have a stroller in my hands. Right. It was just beneficial for all the birds chirping at the corners for individuals who can't see to know yeah, when it's that's across. great. You know, the, the mm-hmm. little, the little bumps when there is the dip on the sidewalk, mm-hmm. that's beneficial for individuals who can't see. So they know how far, like that they're at a, that they're at a corner for individuals 
who have difficulty seeing, they could feel it at the bottom of their feet, that there's a change Mm -hmm. in the pavement and sensory things are really important. Things that we do not, because we're able-bodied, we don't think about the differences that exist in, in regards to sensory sounds, different, Mm -hmm. different leveling on the floor. But when someone is, is differently able, they're using all these other senses that they to compensate for the fact that they can't see or they can't walk or they can't hear, et cetera. So all of these things to say, (laughs) super beneficial for us all, just be mindful. Like notice these things Mm -hmm. as you're going around and be like, Oh wow. Like this ramp is helpful for many people. Mm-hmm. And then also ask yourself when it doesn't have a ramp, how it's mm-hmm. basically discriminating against individuals who are not physically able to get into a building. Like, what is right. that saying about right. that building or the way that that business functions when they're not meeting these certain codes or things? Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, even for me, like in my building, the fact that the doors don't open, we yeah. don't have the automated doors. And it's not because we're like, I'm not even talking about like from a convenience or laziness. It's just like, sometimes I'll be with so many groceries and I'm like, I have to literally put things down, open the door, put my leg Swing to hold over, the door, kick the door open. To get, and then I think about though, cause I've seen someone with like a walker with a cane. I think about, right. The folks that are to your point, disabled, the seniors, like the why it's such an easy in my opinion like it's technology it might be a little bit of investment but quality of life for everyone even those are able-bodied and have things in their hands the frustration right because again the sun doesn't shine every day and you again you have full physical Mm -hmm. ability to grab groceries put them down kick the door open hold the Mm -hmm. door grab the bags pull them Mm -hmm. in like you can do that is it frustrating yeah but you're physically able to do that yeah Imagine how frustrating for the, and you get frustrated because again, the sun doesn't shine every day. And you're like, this is ridiculous. Like I should not have to walk it backwards with bags of groceries. (laughs) You know, imagine you, imagine how Mm -hmm. detrimental that is in the thought process for individuals who are like, okay, I have to go to the grocery store, but I use a walker or I have to go to the grocery store and I don't have anyone to leave my kid with. So I have to bring my kid with me and my kid is not a baby baby. So I can't put him in the carrier. But I also like carrying a stroller and pushing groceries is not physical, like that's not an easy mm-hmm. thing to do. So how do I do this? So the mental toll that you're putting on someone when something as easy as you just bump your elbow on the doors, mm-hmm. they automatically open, you go in and then right. and no big, like <laughs> no big deal. Yeah. Having non-automatic doors is assuming that everyone who's going to come into the building has right the ability to open doors. And mm-hmm. that's like super ableist. Like that, that's, that's yeah. the problem. It's like, you should not yeah. be an ableist. You should not think like, well, everyone, if I can, then they can. It's like, no one was seated at the table to say. But that means whoever was in the this? architect team and design engineering sure. team messed it up. They didn't have another voice to say at the table, hey, we should really think about X, Y, and Z type of people that may not be able to open the door. Or what use cases can we think about where someone would actually need the automated door? Access is such an important thing. And like, I don't think people should be limited to anything because they physically Mm -hmm. cannot access something. Like I I find that to be extremely ridiculous that, that, Mm -hmm. that we're in 2023 and we're still in a space where certain things are not accessible because they're not thinking of individuals with different abilities. Like, 
we're in a completely different space. We like, I like, we like to believe that as a society we've advanced, but it really, I don't think we have as much as we we should. There's a lot of important things out there that need to be discussed in regards to policy and change and, and making sure that things are accessible for everyone that we're not, we're not there yet. I don't know. I don't know what it is because I know that there's advocacy groups that discuss all of it, right? For all groups of people. And what? Well, I think it's because there's the advocacy and there's the awareness, but they're the people who are leading these issue areas and advocacy are not in a position of power. They might be in power in terms of like, yeah, the organizations, the CEOs. I mean, like where the lobbying actually occurs, the policy making, the government. All of that is, I think, where we're we're not getting in the door. It's not that we don't want to. Right. It's there's right that power isn't being distributed right. equitably. And I and I think also to the, to tie it back to who you mentioned in the beginning, there's a lack of vision of investment in why mm-hmm. it's important to do this on the economic side. Yeah, and I think that's where because it's like there are brilliant ideas out there. Yeah. There are brilliant ideas, and people have come up with you know solutions to their to their community and to their problem mm-hmm. in, in in a certain space but there isn't enough investment to make this you know nationwide yeah. or globalize it and that's yeah. what the problem is because again if a lot the mentality has really been if it doesn't affect me why does it matter to me right and it shouldn't have to be that way shouldn't have to affect you for it to matter to you right. what happens to the well-being of a society or, or your community Right. Like don't wait to have someone or know someone with a mm-hmm. specific issue to then become right. an advocate for it. Right. Advocate for what's right for all mm-hmm. all the time. Don't wait for it to direct directly affect you in order for you to be like, oh, that actually does matter. Now it matters exactly. because it affects me. Right. It mattered all the time. It mattered all the time, right. which is why it's like, don't be an ableist. Yeah, exactly. But we were not able to touch on the other areas. It doesn't have to be just the two that we touched on today, including inventions. Really about this today. I know we got into we got really excited. <laughs> it was like we totally like I th- we were very ambitious with the lists that we had going on here. Yeah. But certainly this is one of many, I'm sure, series episodes that we can highlight incredible women in different fields. Again, in recognition of Women History Month Mm -hmm. and really Women's Month every month of the year because we are incredible beings and happy we were able to exchange, Sarah, some, some incredible thought leaders in different spaces. Absolutely. All right, folks. Till next time. Thank Thank you. you.